Hello, Mixed Nut Cases. This is Nuke Chess. And today we've got an episode of Nutty Bites for you where we're going to be talking about movie sequels that change the tone of an entire franchise. With me today, as always. Hi, I'm not tech. I'm tech two, the retechening. <laughs> and from out west, we have. Uh, hi, I'm Sonorous Fox. You may know me from such things as nothing productive at all. <laughs> and, and he's changing the tone of that because he's being productive in recording a podcast with us. All right. And yeah. Jack 2 promises to be cheery, uh, bright, um, uplifting, and sober. Uh, yes, the, the, the R rating has been changed to a PG. Ugh. <laughs> Ugh, I felt bad just saying that. You know, oh, that's that so is on... the case of some of my movies. So where did this idea come from? This came, where did this idea come from? This idea came from me talking about how the police academy movies are so different than the original police academy movie. So you've got, you know, police academy two all the way up to, I don't know. I think they went to seven. seven. Um, I think I watched six, but it's the, the one where they go to Florida. Is that six? Isn't that I, Reno 911? That's not Florida. That's Nevada. No, they go to Florida in their movie. Anyway, um, the uh, Police Academy movie had a R rating for specific reasons. And by the way, some of the things we're talking about are pretty old. There's going to be some offensive content in the movies. We're just talking about the tones here. So that movie definitely was not a movie that young people should be watching. But all the movies afterwards had PG ratings and they were totally fine for young people to be watching. There was no under the podium action going on in, in the, uh, sequels and it completely changes the tone. Now I've seen one through six, but I'll tell you, I've watched two through six a million times more than I watched that first one. Now, granted, I was growing up. I didn't like the first one because I didn't like that humor, but once we got into the crazy antics and that became the focus of the movies, that was a franchise I was all in. And we just kept renting it from the library over and over again. So I thought, hey, what are some other franchises that this has happened to? And tech immediately started with? Uh, it immediately comes to mind as Alien. In the Alien franchise, I mean, the first movie was 1979. Ridley Scott sort of redefined the whole genre of the big scary monster in space. Uh, Ridley Scott, instead of spending a lot of money on making a rubber suit for the monster, said the monster you imagine in your head is more scary than the monster I put on screen. So you only see little bits and pieces of it in dark, shadowy hallways. And it is a, a survival horror. It is a wonderful, wonderful, very dark and scary movie. One of my favorites. And if I remember the story correctly, Aliens, the sequel. Uh, oh, by the way, Alien, the movie has a much better name in Europe. Mm. The movie's mm -hmm. called The Eighth Passenger. Yeah, that's a that's a which I really like. That is but, a Banff title. Yes. Um Aliens, I think was 85. James Cameron was waiting for, was going to do Terminator, but he needed to wait for Arnold to finish doing Conan, as I remember. So he needed something to do for like six months. Somebody threw him the idea, why don't you do a sequel to Alien? Okay, they started working on Aliens, and it is probably one of the great military shoot-em-up 
style movies. It is it is guns blazing, colonial space marines going around blowing up a planet full of xenomorphs. It is very different in tone, but still scary. You still don't see the monsters that much. I mean, they kept like the core nugget uh, uh, true, but they turned it from a Ridley Scott psychological horror into a um, James Cameron mid 80s action fest, you know, fits right in there with, you know, Terminator and the other movies uh, he was making and continues to make. Um, And then Alien 3, we go back to dark and scary psychological horror as it's now set in a prison and alien four was an absolute disaster of a train wreck that got script doctored by joss whedon and then they butchered his script doctoring so bad he had them take his name off the credits i mean the only decent redeeming factor to alien four is sigourney weaver and ron perlman really play well off each other other than that that movie's a disaster we watched it recently and it's not as bad as I remembered it to be. I will say that Sigourney Weaver carries it. Like oh. her performance is so strong. I don't think that there's a movie I've seen her in that I didn't enjoy her performance. So even when she's in bad so, movies, she's amazing. That and the thing is the the franchise as good as as good a franchise as it is, as solid as it is, I don't think it would be the same with, at all without her in it. No. Yeah. So if you take her out of it, You'd have to have a mighty inspired or lucky casting otherwise to be able to keep the franchise going to four. I I don't think they would have gotten to two. No. Yeah. Uh, I, I think I think you're right. I think the entire franchise is built on the back of Sigourney Weaver being an amazing actor. And mm-hmm. if she uh, didn't deliver that performance in the first one and was willing to do the sequel, I don't think it would have gone anywhere. And I mean, that is where I will say that, say... Um, uh, Covenant and um, Prometheus. Prometheus uh, you know, while they may be part of the aliens world, they're not part of the Ripley franchise. Mm-hmm. And that's what sets apart the other aliens movies from that world and the extended novels and, and short see, stories. And, 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 and let's be honest, those other two movies, uh, Prometheus are nowhere near as bad as the critics no, they're uh, good. say they are. So, and this is one of those things where everybody wants another aliens and we're never going to get one and people need to simmer their expectations because we've already had it. You can't yeah. have that movie yeah, yeah. changing experience because it's already happened. And I think that's that's the crux of what we're talking about today in general is that you can't recapture the magic. Yeah. You can re you can reforge it, you can turn it into something different, but you can't ever recapture the original. So sometimes these tonal shifts are a really good thing, like in the case of Aliens because you've got a different tone, but it makes for a really good movie still set in the same world keeping things going. I, can I, uh, I hope I'm using this expression correctly, but I think, um, I think this is what they mean when they say they're trying to capture lightning in a bottle. Yeah, yes. no, you're right. 100%. Yeah. yeah. You, mm-hmm. It's, it's never going to get, like, you're never going to get it twice, right? No. Yeah. Um, which could lead me to segue to two of my choices in, in, in one because it ties to alien and the other because it ties to lightning. Uh, I'll go with the one that ties to alien because I like it more as an overall. And that's um, the Chronicles of Riddick completely changed the tone of Pitch Black. That's, pitch, that's the Vin Diesel vehicle, yes. right? Yes. Okay. 2000s, 2000s Pitch Black was essentially, I mean, it could be diminished into being said, let's try and remake Alien. Because it was a small group of people trying to survive on a, on a 
in a harsh environment that's completely pitch black and dark, full of monsters. Uh, it was a character driven. Uh, it's not a horror movie, but it is that survival, surviving aliens kind of feel that Alien had to it, mm-hmm. where the um, the people around you can't be trusted. The aliens are going to eat you if you if you don't trust them somehow. And the biggest monster of them all is the guy that will get you through it. Because um, in this case, Vin Diesel plays Riddick, who is a like he's a wanted criminal mercenary who just happens to have this modification done to him where he can see in the dark because he's got the shine to his eyes. Oh God. Uh, And they literally just buffed his eyes so he could see in the dark. It's the silliest thing, but it is a quiet movie for the most part. It's people trying to get into each other's head or understand each other's secrets are going to, secrets are going to betray you. You barely ever see the monsters until the, the fevered pitch climax of the movie. And then you go, you know, fast forward to 2004, along comes Chronicles of Riddick. Chronicles of Riddick, he's off of the planet. The only other survivor contacts him and says, hey, I think you might be from this ancient warrior race of people that are destined to stop this evil, this evil known as the Necromongers. And along comes this massive half-undead army that they kill themselves for a ritual to be brought back and serve this Lord Marshal. And it becomes a... One man, one unlikely man versus an army of undead or half undead people thing that just, it's an action movie now. It's just a sci-fi action movie as opposed to the tense thing. Wasn't necessarily for the worst. It just was odd. Mm. Right? So you get this massive tonal shift and then they tried again, like years and years later, 2013, they brought out just Riddick and tried to keep it going where he's now leading the necromongers and it, just was even weirder still like it it went into a full-on like military political intrigue thing so you had a massive tonal shift there where you went from something that was very like pitch black i love it's not by it's no by no mean alien means alien but it evokes that same kind of feel to it in a way sure psychological more than yeah on-screen action yeah and then chronicles already comes along four years later and goes oh yeah you know you know all that tension tension you loved about the first movie nah <laughs> it it, you know, I'm trying to think about this. It's like Vin Diesel in the nineties. This is his third major action franchise mm-hmm. or in the two thousand because yeah. he had this, yeah. he had fast and furious and he had triple X. Yep. Yes. Except he wasn't in the second triple X. So <laughs> <laughs> start of a franchise. Yeah. yeah. Is, that, <laughs> is that quadruple X? No, in, in this, yeah, no, in the second triple X, it was, uh, fuck, who took over? So triple Sorry. Y <laughs> X X Y. Was it Ice Cube took over from him? Oh, yeah, Ice Cube took over in the in the Triple X franchise. Might have been the third one. Might have been the second. That, either is way. that the guy from Barbershop or the guy that plays the police officer? No, the guy from Barbershop. Oh, okay. I always get them confused. Who? Yeah, it's it's odd that two rappers came up with both like like that kind of flavor, like drink related. That's not odd at no. all. How many Lils are there out there? Right, no, right, that's yeah, just laziness. Now, it, now it's is, a little something. I'm I'm waiting for um. Uh, uh, you know, iced tea with lemon, you know, to be- <laughs> well, I was confused for a long time. I remember watching the first couple of little Nas X videos and going, this is not Nas. <laughs> yeah. This is Lil Nas. Yeah. yeah. He's not his son and he's yeah. very different. Yeah. And they're doing a duet together. It was actually quite nice. Yeah. Um, so we've got a lot of other movies that have kind of changed the shift and we're um, going to have an awesome lightning round. Well, we talked about James Cameron and I'm going to talk about Terminator because Terminator was a box office failure. 
But really, the first one, the Arnold, yeah. yeah, oh the yeah, first Terminator was a failure. But VHS had just come out, and it was a rental success. It was mm-hmm. so popular that it it's what sold people on VHS. Like people were just renting this over and over again. So it had built up so much momentum. They were like, we got to do another movie. And they're like, well, how? How do we do another movie? Well, let's take the bad guy and make him the good guy. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I believe that T2 and many, many film critics will agree with me that T2 is better than the first one, but it's a completely tonal shift. Mm-hmm. It, it It is no longer focused on this is the established history. It is focused on you know, we, we are here because of John Carter and this is, you know, we have to go back and we have to save him. And you go from his mom, Linda John, Hamilton, John Connor. What did I say? Carter. John Carter. He's, he's on Mars. <laughs> Wrong franchise. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> he's up on Mars and he's great too, but you know, different. different I, I thought he was 30 seconds from Mars, but, <laughs> but, uh, but Linda Carter's character, uh, Sarah in the first movie, she is not very strong she doesn't she's scared she she needs to be taught she needs to be rescued and in the second movie she is a bamf she is running around she's like okay let's build some bombs we gotta fight this we gotta you know she's in a mental institution where you would think that oh okay that's a weak character no because she's right they put her in a mental mental institution because she's trying to Mm. warn them about the impending apocalypse it is a whole tonal shift and there'd be no franchise without it, but also it's probably the best of them all. Yeah. yeah I'll be no, I haven't seen any of the other ones. It's it's hard to argue with that because I mean, T3 was just action for the sake of action without any yeah. thought behind it. It barely, it barely kept up the mythology. And then you got the mythology just muddled from there. Yeah. I, I will say I, I dug, uh, is it Genesis where Arnold comes back as an old man? Uh, yeah. and then, um, I, Doug, the Sarah Connor Chronicles. It was like, I'm just about ready to give up on this show. Oh, wait, they just pulled out something really interesting. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give up. Oh, wait, hang on. Something interesting. You know, they. it was a bit of a roller coaster, but yeah. We're not going to talk about the bad ones yet, are we? No, let's start. Re- we're still on the good still ones. Still on the good ones. Okay. So. Oh, I should have gone with a good one then. In Japan, <laughs> in the 1950s, they started a little known movie franchise called Godzilla, which is kind of a you know the the first movie gojira is 1953 1952 or something anyway so it's japan rebuilding itself out of the ashes of world war ii literally and figuratively and while the whole world hangs under the specter of impending thermonuclear war so the idea of a giant radioactive monster coming in and destroying villages it's not very hard to imagine that you know they're talking about nuclear war so it's a thinly veiled metaphor and the first movie is very dark and uh very scary because they're talking about and it's a dude in a rubber suit going around breaking up a cardboard tokyo and there's this gradual tonal shift over the next eh, 50 or so movies as we progress through time where they become <laughs> increasingly brighter increasingly funnier to the point of just abject silliness i mean i Godzilla by the end of it is known for like flashing thumbs up and the Chun-Li Yata sign as he beats up bad guys. He does like tail slides and flying drop kicks and it is 
to the point of being stupid, but they are all enjoyable because it's a dude in a rubber suit beating up monsters in a cardboard Tokyo. And they're great. I mean, you shut your brain off. It's like, you know what? Godzilla to me is just like watching pro wrestling. Yes, it's dumb. Yes, it's scripted. Yes, I know who's going to win in the end. I also don't care. I am going to flip my brain off and I am going to watch the Dudley boys throw a guy through a table yet again because I find it entertaining. And that's all that, that's all it is to me. Um, but when they brought it, when, In 1998, they decided to bring it to North America and the North Americans decided, hey, we're going to have our attempt to make a Godzilla movie, but we don't want it to be a rubber suit. We're going to make it look more realistic and we're going to use computer graphics to make a Godzilla and it'll be dark and edgy and scary with a real monster. And it's going to be so much better than that rubber suit nonsense. And it was horrible. Absolutely horrible. Japan kept making rubber suit Godzillas. I think the last one was 2016 called Shin Godzilla, and it is amazing. It's still a rubber suit, but the rubber suit looks great. Practical effects are always going to be better. North America, uh, North America, they've made quite a few now. They've got uh, uh, the Island of the Monsters. They've got Godzilla versus Kong. There's all these ones. They've decided to stay more with the CG route and not use practical effects and practical suits. But I will say 2014 Godzilla, the North American one, is redemption for the 1998 one. The 2014 has probably the best Godzilla scream and probably the best looking Godzilla in a long, 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 long time. It's still a giant monster going around the world beating up other monsters it's just as dumb as it's always been but that one was actually enjoyable for a north american one and they they seem to be trying to get back into what makes this franchise good because it's I'm, more than I'm, just a rubber suit uh now i'm slightly confused as to you're talking about the documentary series godzilla right <laughs> yes exactly the documentary series about all those attacks in tokyo yeah. so vox do do you recall godzilla being at smackdown uh no godzilla was at smackdown so i when you said it's it's the pro wrestling to you i had to look it up had we ever seen godzilla in pro wrestling and yes 2005 smackdown um godzilla was brought in and then tranquilized by john bradshaw layfield who then was stopped by the big show now when i say rubber suit yes it is a horrible can rubber put, Can you put it up on the screen? I, I, I want to see this. I'm sorry. This is awesome audio for our <laughs> awesome visuals for so our audio podcast. Do a but- Google and you will see this, um, this rendition of Godzilla. Oh my. Oh. You may see some really great photoshopped Godzilla in the ring. That's not what actually happened. That's just an inflatable. That's just like an inflatable pool toy. It looks like, like. if it's a, a T Rex suit. It yeah. almost looks like that that dinosaur suit that everybody keeps wearing to Halloween. Except this is like the Wish version of it. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> when you ordered Godzilla from Wish. Whereas I'm going to show some some pictures that have been photoshopped, which is just <laughs> much more fun. <laughs> Fuck Lesnar F5-ing. The- <laughs> well, I mean, who's going to fight Godzilla? It's got to that, be Brock That's Brock Lesnar, the big show, and what was that last one? Um, that's Brock Lesnar, the big Stow- show. Braun Strowman. And Braun Strowman all fighting Godzilla. 
oh, Godzilla versus the Hulk. No, they'd be buddies. They'd be pals. They wouldn't fight. Pals. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it, it'd be it'd be fun. It'd be fun for sure. Um, and on that note, Vox, you got something for us? Okay. Uh, going with the positive ones that uh, were changed for the better in tone. Um, I would say Mad Max 2 Road Warrior. Because without Road Warrior, we wouldn't have the over-the-top craziness of it. The first Mad Max movie was good. Don't get me wrong. I liked the first Mad Max movie, but it was very much not a post-apocalypse movie. It was an apocalypse movie. Yeah. Yeah. It was, things are now going very badly. The world is falling apart. And look, frankly, if I wanted to see that in a movie these days, I'd just go outside. Um, The the, um, the first Mad Max movie, was very much an origins and a genesis of a character, yes, but it, the character hadn't found what was iconic about him yet. The most iconic thing about that movie was the was the car. Like Max himself was a nondescript road cop in the first movie that yeah, people with forget. That Ford he, Falcon. Yep, people people forget he was a cop in the first place. Right. The second movie comes around, and any pretense of him being an actual figure of justice or a hero or anything is gone. He is just. A guy trying to survive and, uh, in a very John Wickian sense, don't mess with his dog, right? Like, <laughs> like it's different tone, entirely different feel. You wouldn't have had beyond Thunderdome and the madness that is that. We wouldn't have had the joy of Master Blaster. We wouldn't Tina have Tina Turner. You wouldn't have Tina Turner. You wouldn't have Fury Road and Furiosa or my personal favorite, the Doof Warrior wouldn't exist if it wasn't for the second Mad Max movie. Like none of, if the shift, uh, the shift in tone hadn't happened, you wouldn't have the madcap over the top leather clad craziness that is, is the Mad Max universe. So Vox, as you're talking about this, I, uh, a question comes to mind. Mm-hmm. So the thing about the, um, the first one. Yes. Is that it was a small, uh, you know, small production, very mm-hmm. low budget Australian yep. movie. That mm-hmm. went gangbusters successful, and then that got them greenlit to make the second one, which was Hollywood. And with a, yep. how much of the tonal shift do you think is related to? Well, we have money now. Oh, a hundred percent. And that can be said for a couple of different movies. Like, mm-hmm. um, if we're lightning rounding it, I'll just I'll tease my lightning round. We're not lightning rounding it. We're going to go into that one. Okay. Uh, should well, should I just point it out then? Now yeah, we're, we're going to go into it. Yeah, um, if if we're talking budget change, we're talking the Evil Dead franchise. Yeah, right. Okay. Like totally. Like it, the budget means quite a bit to a movie because, like, uh, well, and then you can talk. You can talk. Speak as to other movies too. Clerks was shot on the on the thinnest of budgets ever, and then the next movie that Kevin Smith does suddenly he's got Hollywood money and it just goes gangbusters. Right. And this was very much the case with with Mad Max: Road Warrior because the first movie it it was okay. We have a car, we have a bunch, we have a cast, and we're just going to go to the outback and shoot some stuff. Right. The second movie, it's now we can have crazy over the top convoys of vehicles going around. We can make, we can modify these things and unleash the craziness of our art department upon them. We can have, we can hire more people and have more over the top set pieces and expand the storyline because we were limited by budget yes it's it's Um, very much a case of the director finally can tell the story they wanted to tell so having never seen the first two and the, the only thing i can base the franchise on is um fury road Okay. Was there a shift from the second one to Fury Road, or is that the same mm. sort of world 
it's the same sort of world. It, and they continued it. Like Beyond Thunderdome, the third one, okay. uh, expanded the, the whole universe into – it went from being just a small – because even the second one was a fairly restrained conflict. It was one town full of people that were being oppressed that wanted to get free from that, and their way of doing it was controlling the fuel in the town. So it was still small, but not as restrained and small. The third one grew beyond that by far. Suddenly you've got like, you know, they had a helicopter, a gyrocopter vehicle thrown into there, which was something that would never have worked in the first two. They had giant set pieces in the, in the, the Thunderdome itself was, was huge. And you had Tina Turner show up in it, which never would have happened ever in the others. Yeah. And then you get to Fury Road and it's, it's that same feel. It's that madcap over the top. The crazy people are the ones that are going to survive the apocalypse thing. And I think, I think yeah. there is a shift for Fury Road in the sense that, mm-hmm. um, movie making has evolved. Storytelling yes. has evolved. And so while it still has the same tone, it's elevated, but it, it still has that, like you said, over the top. I mean, like, Honestly, the War Boys, I, I, I feel like that is definitely part of the tone that was set. Mm-hmm. We just have the ability to do it now. There are things yeah. from that movie that have now entered common parlance. I mean, I'm playing, I play video games now where you still get achievements called Witness Me. Yeah. Witness yeah. Me. Now, um, and the funny thing is, is, you know, you talk about tonal shift brought on by budget. Mm-hmm. And the same type of world, the same type of movie, the same type of thing, I'm going to throw all the money in the world at it because it worked for Mad Max and I'm going to make it set in a boat and I'm going to make Waterworld (laughs) and (laughs) died. So money is not a solution in and of itself. And I know that the real reason that the movie was so expensive is because the set sank and they had to rebuild it. But that movie is just god awful. Yeah, with yeah. none of the redeeming factors that the man I mean, that was that was how can you how can anybody keep backing Kevin Costner in post apocalypse movies? Yeah, <laughs> didn't we learn our lesson with the Postman? Yeah, well, that came after Waterworld. Um, wow. one thing I do have to say about Mad Max Fury Road is, um, hey, remember when Beast and Bane took a road trip? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we talked a little bit about um Evil Dead and uh I I need to share. So my first people have been telling me, you know, young nutty telling me you got to watch this Evil Dead series, you got to watch this Evil Dead series. And I determined, all right, you know what? I'm going to bring a bunch of friends together. We're going to watch all the movies. So we marathoned all three movies. Mhm. And I introduced um my roommate at the time to these movies and a very young friend of hers who I'm pretty sure were very traumatized by the tree um lack of consent relations. <laughs> and 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 I was like, okay, you all are telling me this is the most amazing movie and it's this. And then we watch Evil Dead 2. And I'm like, oh, okay, this is a complete tone and change. And that if if that tonal change hadn't happened, I would have been out. Honestly, if I want to recommend these movies to people, I don't tell them to watch the original. I don't tell them to watch Evil Dead 1. You can start with Evil Dead 2. You can start mm-hmm. with Army of Darkness. It is up to you. But if you start with Evil Dead 1, I mean, it is very easy to say, this is not worth my time. Um, And then Army of Darkness. Now, 
the, the interesting thing about this franchise is they just keep telling the same story over and over again. Army of Darkness is actually, um, it's still a retelling of that story, but it really does go into continuing the story and, and going on into the other world. Mm-hmm. That yeah, is probably one of the most successful. Hey, we got money. Let's film this even better. Yeah, and and that's the that is the essence of it because yeah. Evil Dead Two was Evil Dead without the tree scene. Yeah, and then a lighter tone to it overall. Yeah, and I think it's somewhere along the line. Um, Raimi didn't take himself as seriously. Yeah, which is the one that's played for last. The shop smart shop. That's Army of Darkness. That's when they lean into yeah. the cheese. So two starts being funnier. Like yeah. two has a whole thing where his hand turns evil and tries to yeah, kill right, him. Right, right. I remember. And that. he's got to cut it off and fight it. And it's and so it's it's much more ludicrous than the other. It's still played for horror, but it's comedy as well. Whereas the third one is just comedy. It's right. it's comedy with some horror elements to it. And I mean, I think that franchise because it brought the world Bruce Campbell. Right? Like, <laughs> yeah. Just, well, and Sam Raimi and and Sam Raimi and know. yeah, like all the good that would come from that over the years. Um, but yeah, it, it is very much a case of we finally have a budget to do what we want to do with this because the first one was literally just a handful of college students in a cabin. No, nobody involved in that movie had any background in acting whatsoever or writing a movie or doing anything. The only one with any background was Sam Raimi. And he'd like borrowed some money to get a camera and uh, went, let's make a movie. And the whole trope of a cabin in the woods is where mm-hmm. the, the weirdness happens. That's, that's evil dead. Evil dead changed yep. horror movies and tropes. I mean, there yeah. were cabins in woods in mm-hmm. other movies. Don't, don't at me over that. But really that this franchise solidified that, mm-hmm. that trope that and, we end up yeah. seeing in, uh, the final girl, you know, and, and then we cabin got in the woods. Then we got and, cabin in the woods, which is, Hey, do you like tropes in your horror movies? Cause we got them all Tucker and Dale and all I the others, but absolutely love cabin in the woods for that. Mm. I think cabin in the woods is my favorite horror movie of all time, just because it just lampoons all, it's all of movies. Them. It's yeah. so good. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then so, yeah, you've got movies like that that are um, that are bigger budget makes different movie. But if we're going to talk a movie that went kind of the opposite way, kind of, and not a hundred percent, I would venture that after the after the era of Pierce Brosnan, uh, James Bond, the franchise needed a refresh, and instead of going bigger, bolder, and crazier, they went more restrained, and they and we get Daniel Craig's Casino Royale. The franchise was, it wasn't on its last legs, but it has certainly jumped the shark at that point. The sea drill. When you yeah. have a, mm-hmm. a remote control torpedo that can make left turns through boats. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It needed a bit of a. It had, the, it had jumped the shark when it had invisible cars and all sorts of other silliness. Just, Brosnan era was a really, they were trying to tie the, the timelines together because we had moved into a world where, you know, the thing that made when I was growing up, the thing that made James Bond, James Bond was his gadgets, right? Mm. He was smooth. He was sophisticated, but he always had a gadget that would get him out of his situation. And it was always something unbelievable, but because it was James Bond, it ended up working. And then Pierce Brosnan was using things that we all had in our pockets. We all had access to these things. It wasn't amazing. It wasn't interesting. And it didn't, we it don't, was just a guy doing his job. We don't need to imagine shoe phones anymore. Yeah. Everyone has a cell phone. Yeah. And so I, I, I think you're right with Casino Royale. They had to pull it back. 
the series had to get smart is what it had to do Hmm? the series had to get it had to get smart come on now it's comedic comedic throwback in 10 seconds but uh you know i was trying to 86 your comments there but uh, you did really good you know what you score 99 i i i (laughs) there's a sometimes a little bit of an overlap when people are talking so i missed it by that much (laughs) so yeah but but what we got with daniel craig in the first of them now they they have gone they they waffled back and forth over the course of Daniel Craig's run. I actually haven't seen the latest one yet, so I don't know anything about it. I'm looking forward so I'm to gonna, the previews yeah. look amazing. I'm not going to speak as to that, but in the first one, in Casino Royale, the first of the Craig Bond movies, we got a restrained story that spoke more to the Sean Connery era of forget gadgets, forget all the, all the tech in the world. Yes, I have them, but the man is what important. Mm. And you saw a story that was, um, it was almost like an or- a backdoor origin story, but it wasn't like you had 20 seconds at the start where he, it established his kills to get his 007 status. And then boom, we have James Bond. Let's move on with life. Hmm. But you had a bond that, you know, his instinct was more important than, than anything. His steadiness was more important than anything. The fact that he is tough as nails matters. Hmm. Um, and it, it did start quantum assault started getting silly. And then specter was, eh. Uh, it got back to back to basics again, though, in Skyfall, and got much better, right? So, but that tonal shift for the good came from Casino Royale going, okay, you've seen all the wackiness, let's bring it back to what it belongs to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, I think that's fair. I think that's a hundred percent fair. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I can't wait to see where the franchise goes because the movie coming out now is it No Time to Die? Yeah, is Daniel Craig's last. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, he was given, by the way, he was given the honorary rank of commander in the royal navy nice um just like uh james bond i think that's a, a fantastic tribute to uh an actor that's carried this franchise for so many years i can't wait to see where they go i'm very curious to see who they're going to pick um mm-hmm. i think ian fleming is wrong i do believe that uh idris elba could play james bond anytime he wants i do not james bond to me is a code name it's i don't think that's his real name and the fact that you know, this movie franchise has been going on since the 60s. I think it's perfectly easy to explain that there are more than one James Bond. It's a it's a job. It's just like the number, you know, you, mm-hmm. you fall into who's James Bond today. So I think it could be anybody they want it to be. Yeah. yeah. And we'll see where they go. I, 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 I think that, um, you know, James Bond has transformed into not Ian Fleming's character anymore. Mm-hmm. But it has become much, our character now. It's very much transcended. It's yeah. uh, less than savory roots. Right. Because if you read those books, just no, no, well, no. Well, this is stuff written. This is Cold War, Cold War stuff written in the 50s and 60s. Uh, so yeah, but it's going to be. This was bad for 50s and 60s material, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, let's put it that way. This was on the level of like, um, of uh, Cthulhu, uh, Lovecraft. Lovecraft bad. Right. Right. So yeah, he was, he wasn't the, uh, wasn't yeah. the greatest person either. As a matter of fact, he was downright horrible. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's the case, unfortunately, with like, yeah, unfortunately, you've got a franchise that is beloved and a, an entire nation identifies with it on some level right. because James Bond very much is, I mean, you, you make fun of James Bond, you knock James Bond in the wrong parts of the UK and you're going to have a problem, right? right. It's, it's identity. Um, not to mention as far as their film industry goes, it's one of their bigger products that allowed them to get studios that you now draw Hollywood in. But right. 
Yeah. And to- um, before people at us, we know it wasn't Ian Fleming that said that about Idris. It's the current author, but it okay. doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It was his estate. It's the guy it. who writes the novels now. It's, but it's the point is yeah. the books and the movies are separate. Mm-hmm. Right. My mistake. No, it's who fine. We, no, who have we got? Who else have we got? Uh, or what else have we got for movies here? Oh, well, uh, going into that whole shift, um, I'm, I'm going to bring up, uh, X-Men. So when I remember being really excited about the X-Men movies coming out, and honestly, that first X-Men movie, I was like, all right, that's not bad considering what we had at the time. Um, but honestly, they were such a disappointment, uh, to the point that I wanted to walk out of the third one. It was so disappointing for me. Like there were good things and bad things, but the sequel that changed the tone of the X-Men franchise in movies is X-Men first class. And when you start it, you're like, oh, well, this isn't the same franchise until we realize, no, it is the same franchise. They, because there's all those crossover and it ends up fixing the franchise. Is that the first of the James McAvoy ones? Yes, that okay. is the first of the James McAvoy. Jay Law's playing, uh, uh, Mystique and you've got, um, what's his name playing Magneto and, uh, well, Fastbender. Yeah, Fastbender and then Nicholas Holt <laughs> playing Beast. Uh, you know, Mr. Witness mm-hmm. me. Uh, uh, <laughs> and the, the Emperor of Russia. Yes, yes. Huzzah. Huzzah. <laughs> I'm sorry. That actor is so good. He's in so many good movies. Uh, by the way, is it, is it Warm Bodies? I think is the name. It is a great movie. I don't care. I've had a lot of people tell me it sucks. It does not. I love it. I mean, yes, zombies can fall in love. Um, <laughs> And it's because they had a really good actor playing that zombie. Uh, uh, Nicholas Holt. Yeah. 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 He's amazing. I, I was thinking of his name this whole time. I just got it. Tech said it like twice. No, you did. Ah. Oh, did I? Oh, I thought it was you. No, I said Fastbender. Oh, that's right. So anyway, <laughs> Nettie's not quite with it. Uh, this changed the entire tone. And I was like, finally, this is an X-Men I can mm-hmm. get behind. And without it, we would not have gotten Logan, which was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we really took it from a franchise of there's a couple of good characterizations, but it's not hopeful. It's very depressing. And it makes me really sad to see these characters to, I can't wait to see what these characters do next. And there is hope, mm-hmm. even though we're heading towards apocalypse. Yeah, that's that's on the, the the verge of movies we don't speak of. Which what are the movies we don't speak of? Oh yes, I, oh yes, I one of them it. is for the subject today. <clears throat> well, sadly, that's, that's d- sadly, they're done badly, right? Yeah, yes, we're not there yet. Oh, we're not there yet. I've got nothing. Oh no, I got one good one, maybe. I've got, I've got, I've got a few. Okay, well, let's go through a couple more years. Um. So first off, Return to Oz, complete tonal shift. From the Wizard of Oz, a really good movie, but a completely different kind of movie. Okay, Does, am I the Never only one that watched Return to Oz? No, Never I watched it as well. Version. I was I was very young, but I, I'm I'm wondering if your choice here is also based on the fact that Young Nutty had a crush on Feruza Balk. Well, I mean, also we had Steampunk Tin Man. Yeah. Let's not forget <laughs> about the, the elements of steampunk. Um, no, I liked it. I thought I thought it was. I dug it. I dug it. Um, and then um. We've got uh, Ghostbusters 2. Ooh. This is one that a lot of people remember. They're like, the original Ghostbusters was awesome. The original Ghostbusters was awesome. All the fans of the first Ghostbusters movie 
mm-hmm. when Ghostbusters 2 came out, hated it. Absolutely <laughs> hated it. It was panned. And everything that people say about modern Ghostbusters, they said about Ghostbusters 2 because it was a tonal shift. It was a change in the comedy. I, I was going to say it, it. It's not. It's not the most striking of tonal shifts. It's not a complete and utter like. It's not cataclysmic, but it's there. There's definitely. It's more it's about the more gags. About, yeah, it's more of a Bill Murray. That's the thing. Is it, it is definitely more of um. It's more of a sight gag kind of thing. More of a uh, a yuck yuck comedy var- versus a yeah. The first one was very much more of an investigative type of thing. It was. Uh, Comedy, but with some supernatural, like uh, a supernatural core to it, whereas the second one was very much haha comedy more, I guess. Yeah. Well, and the first one I, I really feel is more about Bill Murray and his journey and everybody else is kind of a backup character. And the second one is mm-hmm. an ensemble. Uh, okay. See, so if you're saying it that way, I can see it much more. Yeah. It's about the boy. It's about the collective as opposed to. And it's another one, one of these like. And I don't know the ratings, but it feels like one is more R and one is more PG-13. I think yeah. they were both PG because I remember being a young kid yeah, and going to see the second one with that really creepy painting in Vigo of Carpathia. Yeah. yeah. And the reason, and I, you know, that always stuck in my head because at the time I went to Carpathia Elementary School. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? You know what? The best would have been to put up a, a picture of Vigo somewhere in the hallway that, uh, right about then. Just replace the replace the picture of the founder with Vigo. That'd be great. Uh, so um, Ghostbusters was rated PG. That would not be PG today. No. Well, and we're talking about rating system. Rating system shift in general. We could talk about that as an entire topic oh, of movies absolutely. that would never fly with their rating for, at the time now. Oh, yeah. That- I mean, yeah. Yeah. But um, so I got another one. I got... Um, the Dirty Harry franchise. All right. Everybody thinks of Dirty Harry as being well. Not everybody thinks of, but the later the later Dirty Harry movies were Dirty Harry is a cop that he's he's that prototypical cop that skirts the edge but never really goes completely too far over the edge of the line. Uh, the first movie he was a vigilante who tracked down a man without a warrant and, and tortured him and then like publicly embarrassed and left him basically for dead type of thing. It was, yeah, he the was, first movie, he's a dirty cop. Oh yeah. He, he may have a, motives that you agree mm-hmm. with as a viewer. Yeah. But he's a dirty cop and he, that's and the point. That's the point is he's a dirty cop, but suddenly you get the second movie coming around. Magnum Force comes around and it is dirty Harry hunting down a group of corrupt motorcycle cops that are doing exactly what he did in the first movie. Yeah. And suddenly he goes from being the villain who should have like, he he was central character, but it was a very early case of the central character is a bad guy you're rooting for to being a, a guy who actually now you can root for because he's on the side of the law, even though he's doing some questionable things and the rest of the franchise all the way through the Deadpool is very much that same thing. He's the, the the good cop that is willing to do some downright dirty things, but in the name of justice and in the name of the law, ultimately. So it, it was a massive shift in tone to see suddenly he's going after a group of people and judging them for doing the same thing he did in the first movie. And now, it's got, a good thing because, I mean, having him be a scumbag throughout all, it would, you wouldn't have got five movies out of him being scum. Yeah. I, I got I got a movie for um a franchise that I want Tech to talk a little bit about because it's one of his favorites. Mm. But um the tonal shift up from Weekend at Bernie's to Weekend at Bernie's Two. <laughs> so this is let's take a stupid premise and make it 
dumber. Because if you people, if, if, sorry, not you people, if, if our audience doesn't know this franchise, it's a guy dies and there's a, a fortune of money that needs to be uncovered, but people can't know that he's dead. So it, it, it's a weekend at his house with a corpse that they can't let anybody else know is dead. So it's all based on like a physical comedy of this actor playing a corpse that they have to like move around and put glasses on him and pretend that he's walking and then, you know, tie a string to his arm. So it looks like he's driving and it's, it is stupid. And then the second one is they find that he's buried a treasure out in the Caribbean somewhere. So they reanimate his corpse with voodoo magic, but they get the spell wrong and he only moves towards the treasure when he hears Calypso music. So it's the actor playing a corpse kind of slumped over backwards, slowly shuffling across a beach, but he's still dead and they can't let anybody know he's dead or they'll lose the chance to get the fortune. It is just a showcase of wonderful physical comedy it's but you're not gonna earn yourself a nobel prize by watching these movies okay this is dumb cinema and it's like a staircase of stupids like the first one you're kind of on the landing looking down the stairs and then you jump five six levels down for weekend at bernie's too it's we're gonna take a stupid premise and add white people's understanding of voodoo to it. So it's it's bad, like, but really funny. The first movie, the two characters that are putting this together have like a whole story and a subplot and there's a romance and all this other stuff. The second movie, they are just there for us to watch Bernie shuffle around, shuffle around towards the treasure. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's it's. It's ridiculous in the sense that sometimes, and this is what the 80s excelled at, sometimes you just need a bad movie to watch. You just need to turn your brain off and watch something stupid. And this is why I love Peacemaker. But we're not talking about that. If I remember correctly, the thing is, is that they needed to sacrifice a chicken yes, to make the spell, but they're in New York. They couldn't find a chicken, so they used a pigeon. Yes. Yes. And and that leads that's the catalyst that leads to oh. everything else going wrong. <laughs> so I got a couple lightning round that we're not going to go too deep into of others where uh, it's a tonal shift. It doesn't mean that it killed the franchise, but it's tonal shift. And um, Karate Kid, the yes. sequels are completely different because the first one is a coming of age story and the sequels eh, not so much. The next Karate Kid, total tonal change. By the way, that's a good movie. Um, and then the Kung Fu Kid. Well, then we come back to that whole uh, 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 feeling of coming of age. Where's Pat Morita? Kids are going to want to see the original Pat Morita. I keep telling you he's 86 and he's dead. What's Jackie Chan doing? You know, he's not Japanese, right? Ah, we'll make it about Kung Fu. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. And it should have been called the Kung Fu Kid everywhere, not just in China. That was the big failing of that movie. Um, and then Empire Strikes Back. Empire Strikes Back was a complete tonal shift because the first movie is happy Mm -hmm. and lucky and Mm dancey and awesome. And then the second movie, not only is it darker, but everybody's losing at the end. 
uh, I would argue it's not just that the franchise didn't suffer for it. The franchise got much better oh, absolutely. for it. Yeah. It, 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 it upset so many people when it mm-hmm. came out though, because the, the good guy doesn't win. Han gets frozen in carbonite. Luke loses a hand. He hey, finds out the girl's his sister. Um, <laughs> you know, it's the, the, the whole, uh, you know, C3PO loses a leg. You know, the, the, the whole movie is just a series of downbeats. And let's what not do you even mean talk about Luke all the awful things. Can't be together. Let's not even talk about all the awful things that R two says throughout it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's a potty mouth. Um, so Vox is laughing at the whole spoilers thing. He's wearing a shirt that says Darth Vader's Luke's father. So <laughs> while yeah, we're I mean, recording this, um, and and this is what happens when Lucas gets a divorce. He just changes the whole thing because he's like, I'm going to take all of her notes and rip them up. So the Star Wars franchise survived because his marriage didn't. Uh, I don't know. But that being said, it's um, it's a good second act of a trilogy, and <laughs> yeah. that it sets up. You know, you talk about the first one being more upbeat. The third one is happy dancing little nub, bears. Nub. <laughs> yeah, you, you you can't have triumph without failure to begin with. Exactly. Right? You need you need to set up the triumph in a good way, because if the good guys keep winning, well, that's Power Rangers. And, you know, and, 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 and to be fair, it changed movie making because I mean, could you imagine somebody putting out Avengers, um, the first one, uh, in the last two, everybody's lost, Mm -hmm. but without empire, we never would have put out a movie like that. Or it would have certainly been a bolder thing. That's for sure. Any other lightning rounds? Uh, I've got the, that which will not be spoken about because if we're talking about, I mean, we're going to go into the negatives soon. Okay. Then the last one I have is Thor Ragnarok because Thor finally gets to have fun. Okay. Yeah. That's a reinvention of the the entire franchise in the best way possible. Yes. I mean, it's, 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 we didn't retcon anything, but Thor finally gets to have fun. Yeah. Cause the first two were just boring. Yeah. 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 So that's why you need to take more things. Go ahead. You get to take it away. Fine. This is the, the one that's been for eating. Probably the worst tonal change of any franchise ever. The one so bad that we often refer to it as not existing and that an entire different cut of the movie had to come out to be palatable by fans. It's mentioning lightning so many times has got me going on this because it's <laughs> Highlander 2. We take a franchise that we take a movie that, uh, come on, if we're talking, if we're talking pro wrestling movies, we're not talking Godzilla. It literally opened with a pro wrestling match going on. Right. It was, okay, but there can only be pop- one. It was popcorn. It was fantasy. It was over the top sword and sorcery in the most ridiculous and lovely sense of the word. Uh, it was amazingly goofy, but so rewatchable and so fun. And honestly, if you took all that goofy stuff aside, it's in, it's got an intriguing premise to it. The whole immortals have lived amongst us for, for thousands of years. There's no reason we know why, but they're there. They have a contest going on. They have to cut each other's heads off to become the one. And the prize is never mentioned. Mm -hmm. The rules are established, but that's it. And we can forget that Sean Connery was uh, was a Scottish man playing an Egyptian man for some reason. Yeah, playing a Spaniard yes, by no, way of Egypt. Yes, because he was Egyptian and using a Spanish name. It was, the, it was convoluted and silly. But think about it. If you are thousands and thousands of years old, your identity is going to shift massively over the time to fit where you're at. So, okay, maybe that's fine. Right. And the but, best part of that is it's, it's Sean Connery playing a Spanish-Egyptian but not doing any accents other than just nope. his Scott. 
his normal Scottish mm-hmm. voice. But then let's go to let's go to the sequel, which if people complain about, you know, the the proselytizing of movies these days when it comes to global warming and oh we're we're destroying the environment, the entire premise of Highlander 2 was that uh, you know, hundreds of years later in the 1980s, or it uh, was beyond that, it was a couple of hundred years after the 80s, we have destroyed the ozone layer. The only thing keeping us alive is a shield over the earth created by Connor McLeod. <laughs> and I mean, okay, that would have been fine. You already had a massive tonal shift in that you went into an environmental, environmentally preachy movie uh, that was set in the future. So you took your franchise and you shot it 200 years in the future, even though it's primarily rooted in the past. Okay, I can deal with that. But suddenly going, oh, and by the way, all of these Highlanders are aliens from the planet Zeist that are were sent here to fight this thing out. Hmm. What? Like, huh? You had a mythology. You don't need to explain it. That's the beauty of, like, honestly, the beauty of science fiction and fantasy is you don't need to have logic behind it. So adding they were aliens as a form of shoehorned logic was just unspeakably stupid. And and everybody hated it. Oh, it was the tone went from being uplifting, like, essentially, like, it was, it was a, it was a swashbuckling, goofy movie. It went for even though Christopher Lambert himself was the solid core of I can I can barely act so I'm going to be calm in the whole movie. He <laughs> he he was still he smiled he laughed he lived a life in the second movie he was just a mopey jerk the whole time right, and, but and this, the tone this, was brought right down. But this is another case of a this is a Scotsman being played by a Belgian. Yeah, well, and yes, yes, <laughs> but it's also the second. The second movie was just awful, and by the time the third came out, which also was garbage fire, they at least had the the the, the brain power to say, "Oh yeah, that alien stuff. That's not canon. It didn't happen." And <laughs> years and years later, they released a new cut of the second movie, the Renegade cut, which just removes all the alien speak out of it entirely. How much time? How much time did that cut out of the movie? Uh, it had to be like it couldn't. It wasn't even that much. It was like ten, fifteen minutes at most. Because really? I think there was okay. a title crawl. I think it was literally a title crawl which talked about the aliens. I've, I haven't watched that movie in so long. I can't remember how they introduced it, but it was crammed in expositional garbage. Was what it was. And so you get to the third movie, and it's redeemable suddenly. It's it, it's not a good movie at all. But it was just enough momentum to give what ultimately would Highlander or like ultimately the best expression of Highlander of all the TV series. Which went from being it taking itself too seriously, well, it took itself seriously sometimes, but by and large became a bodice ripper of a tale about a freaking, right. you know, about a a hunk of a Scotsman who, not played by a Scotsman again, but uh, a hunky Scotsman whose shirt got ripped open most of the time was in romantic encounters with people, so fought fought for the the honor of the ladies around him, yeah. and it still was a good show. But wow, I'm surprised it survived. This the franchise survived the second movie. Now I have a question: Would you like to see another sequel to let it redeem itself? It's had chances, and they've been awful. Yes, but th- I want to know: Do you, is that oh, would a I no? like to? Think about that. Going. I'm writing the sequel. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so, um, there's a couple of franchises. If you would like to. If you would like to be involved in this uh, upcoming project, contact at SonorousVox. Twitch.tv slash SonorousVox. OnlyFans.com slash SonorousVox. I was going to say, neither of those, well, the OnlyFans doesn't, it exists, but doesn't get used. Uh, The 
the first two methods barely see any use anyway. And it's, it'd be at uh, sonorousfoxmedia at gmail.com if you're looking for the email. So there you go. There you go. go. Uh, so there's a couple of uh, franchises that the definitely, so there's two I want to talk about that definitely changed their shift. Now, without this tonal shift, I don't think there'd be a franchise, but I still think the first movie is better. And that is both Rambo mm. and Rocky. Yeah. They they start out with a serious story, a serious message, and then it goes into we need an action franchise. It's like, hey, Sly, we like the story you told, but we're gonna have to have you punch more people in the name of America. And they're they're trying to bring it back, you know, like they've done some much later sequels. I haven't seen from what I hear about the most recent Rambo sequel, I don't want to see it. Uh, but I know like they've tried with it was um, too dire. Way the, too dire. the latest Rockies and the Creed and all that jazz. Um, now there's a couple of roller coasters I want to mention. Mm. So Tim Burton's Batman, we all know I'm a fan, but Batman too, that was hot trash. Even though there's parts mm. of it, um, I'll, I'll savor. And then you've got Batman Forever, and that went, hey, let's do a cartoon as a movie. And then Snyder comes in. <laughs> Please to know. And then, of course, they did the worst thing ever and they made freeze Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That, that was a shame. That was a shame. Um, and honestly, like, not that I want to defend Schwarzenegger. He was filming that with a broken back. So he wasn't giving a good performance. Yeah. Like they should have recast. Um, you want, you want franchises that we love that have a rocky history with movies. Let's go Star Trek. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. What's the rule? Only the odd numbered ones are good. Yeah. Except the first one was such a departure from the series. It was crazy because it went from being a, you know, no, a hopeful... only the even ones are good, right? That's, that's, yeah, yeah, I think yeah. that's what it is. Cause it's like yeah. you went from this hopeful quest to explore the universe and to expand and learn and see wonderful things that was slightly campy at times and definitely backlot recycled wonderful. Like it, they, when we get the original series itself to we have to a serious 45 thing, a minutes series. of this. Yeah. A serious sci-fi, a sci-fi exploration attempting to make Star Trek into a space odyssey. Right. <laughs> that was a tonal shift that was crazy. And then, of course, you get, hey, let's bring Spock to San Francisco and hide his head with a toque. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. um, and then and then you've got Indiana Jones. Mm. Awesome action movie and then campy goofy racism and then ooh interesting serious uh plots okay possibly the best of the three i'm not going into any of the future ones because i haven't seen past three tech still hasn't seen three but it's definitely a roller coaster oh um it, it is and uh the second one mm-hmm Oof, that's a lot of racism. And it just, it makes me, I don't care how good the other ones are going to be. It's such a hill for me to climb. I, I, that second one, I mean, tiki worshiping Polynesian cultures in India, an Asian character called Short Round. I mean, I just, I, I I'm can't. not a, I'm not a fan of the franchise in general because basically what the whole franchise is, is, Hey, let's steal artifacts from people and take them to a museum. But at least the first one, and the, the the first one is, yeah. But they're going to go to the good people museum and not the Nazis. So let's punch some Nazis in the face and <sighs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I still like I, I got a franchise. I got a movie franchise I want to talk about. Okay, mm. so there's a movie. There, there's a movie producer from France. His name is Luc Besson. 
He's mm. made, you know, La Femme Nikita, Leon the Professional, a thing called Fifth Element, probably one of the greatest <sighs> sci-fi movies. I don't think of I've ever time. heard of that one, but yeah. <laughs> but in France, he's known for making a series of kind of like the Fast and Furious movies. They're stupid, funny action movies, all based around practical car stunts. The franchise called Taxi, starring a guy called Sammy Nasseri, who is a uh, a taxi driver in Marseille, but his taxi cab is a race car. And there's a gang. It's always a gang of thieves in like super cool cars and the police cars can't keep up to them. So they hire Sammy and his special Peugeot taxi cab to go chase down the bank robbers. But the thing is, he hates the cops because the cops are always giving him tickets. So he's always begrudgingly having to work with the cops to solve these crimes. And then they'll leave him alone for a bit. They're silly and it's always based on really cool practical stunt driving like the fast and furious franchise you know they, they, they throw in some computer stuff and then, but it's all based on really cool cars doing really cool stunts and then they throw in a plot sometimes to keep the movie going so you're not just watching cars you know and people looked at this and said hey this is an awesome franchise look how much money this is making in europe this is amazing we should bring this. this to north america Oh, oh, but it's a comedy, right? So we should hire comedians. And oh, well, we don't want, we don't want to compete with the fast and the furious. So we got to have to change things a bit. And well, nobody knows where Marseille is. So we're going to have to set this in New York because everybody knows what a New York taxi cab is. And it turned from, you know, serious, you know, awesome car stunts with a bit of comedy thrown in into a Jimmy Fallon, Queen Latifah buddy cop flick. And instead of using a really cool Peugeot 406 with a V12 in it, it was a Crown Victoria yellow checker cab. Not sponsored by checker cab, but I'm willing to accept the sponsorship anytime. Um, <laughs> I, I got to throw that in all the time. I'm, I'm fishing yeah. here, man. I'm fishing. <laughs> but um, what a dis, I, I don't think I've, I, I was unable to watch the whole thing. I saw a couple uh, scenes here and there. It so is awful. Fun, fun fact. I've never seen that movie, but once when I was on, uh, when I was on call for, uh, for duty watches, sure. I missed a phone call because I was asleep and I claimed I had went to see taxi and shut my phone off in the theater. <laughs> All right. Well, now that you well, confess, I'm glad that you found, uh, I'm glad that you found some use out of the movie because I sure didn't. I, I don't mind the, uh, I don't mind the American version except, well, it's not as good as the original. I see what they were trying to do there. Queen Latifah is still awesome and she's rocking oh, it. She absolutely is. Yeah. But, but this is now the second time that they've tried to, um, make a North American version of a Luc Besson movie. The other one I'll bring it up now as well is La Femme Nikita. Yeah. Yeah. Where um, point of no return. I'm sorry. Isn't it a point of no return? I think it was also called yeah. La Femme Nikita. Wasn't oh, that the TV oh, series they the made TV it into? Show, yeah. Yeah. Hmm? Yeah. Well, then there's also uh, the adaptations of French film, uh, French action uh, Fran uh, films in general. There was Brick Walls, which was the Paul Walker adaptation of District B-13. Oh, jeez. It was the same movie with to, Paul Walker in it. Back to La Femme Nikita. Um, Nikita herself, the, the idea is that this is a, a street urchin in trouble, mm -hmm. living a horrible life, guilty of a bunch of crimes, who then gets taken into almost like that institute that Natasha Romanov went to yeah. in the Marvel movies and they turn her mm -hmm. into some type of like seductive assassin and then she goes and does all kinds of good things because now she's turned into a good person mm -hmm. 
in all of the North American versions, it's she was found guilty of a crime she didn't commit because you can't have a bad person be a good person. So she in the, the French ones, the whole thing is that Nikita is a bad person that gets redeemed. She mm-hmm. does commit these crimes. She is an awful person who learns to do good through her actions. But in all the North American ones, it's, oh, she got a bum rap and she was with a bad boyfriend. And, you know, it's just it, 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 the trope, the North American tropes that they're trying to shove into Luke Besson's movie making. Just yeah. let the guy work on his own. He does good mm-hmm. things. Gosh, could you imagine if they did like, uh, like if, if, it's an American movie, but imagine if like Hollywood said, we're going to do a remake of the professional, but instead of him being a hitman with a path, we're going to make him, uh, another, uh, he was originally a hero and he's forced to do this. Like they would absolutely yep. train wreck. Yeah. Cause he, cause he's not a cleaner for the mob. No, he's an undercover cop yeah. and they would make Matilda 18 and blonde and they yeah. would end up in a relationship at the end of it. And- Anyway, uh, so we've talked a lot about um, these sequels. Are there any burning holes in your minds that we need to mention? Uh, no, I don't think so. Because I want to end this on a high note. Good, because let's get, let's wash the taste of Taxi out of my mouth, because that movie's just... just of the it? movies we've discussed... Was there a sequel to Half-Baked? <laughs> <laughs> there should be uh, some some of them that we'd love to see another one. And hmm. I've got two on my list. And the first, and I'm the first one I'm going to say is Police Academy. I would love to see another Police Academy. Bring back as many of the original crew as you can. I know we can't actually do it because we don't have Officer Hooks anymore and we don't have Hightower and it would just make me really sad. But we were talking about this last night. I would love to see everybody come back and kind of like, let's take a, a modern awareness and bring it into this. And let's, let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, like I would love to see Bobcat Goldwaith's character come back. And uh, Vox was mentioning last night that he hates doing the voice. And it's like, you know, somebody mentioned something about his voice. It was like, Hey, what happened to the stutter? Oh, I went to speech therapy. Well, <laughs> not only the speech therapy, but he, you could, you could seriously also have him say, you know, I also address my anger issues because good mental health is important yeah, in the, yeah. as in a police officer. Boom. Done. Right. Yeah. Like, and, and have them actually come back to the police mm-hmm. Academy to actually train the new cops yeah so let's talk about one of a wish that came true Mm. uh and we didn't mention this but i'll mention it now so the matrix movie the first one really really good the next two not so much exist they they became big budget action flicks instead of what they were originally which was you know they were yeah sure it was an action movie but they were intellectual more or it was more intellectual right and uh the first one was good the next two i really didn't enjoy them at all uh and then we just got matrix what's the the latest one called resurrection matrix resurrection not perfect but definitely going back more into what I liked about the franchise in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a nostalgia grab for sure. Yeah. And uh, I, like I said, it wasn't perfect. It wasn't my favorite movie of all time. And, uh, but it was, uh, it was definitely on its way to redeeming that franchise. I, it's, it's I proof don't, you can come. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was gonna, It's It's proof. You can go back to something like that and still yeah. do well by it. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I don't discount its existence. So that's high yeah, praise this, this, for this franchise. Mm, uh, yes. Uh, I mean, I'm, it's obvious I want another Highlander, but I don't want a movie. I want, a, mm-hmm. I want at least a limited run TV series. Okay. 
Is the t- honestly when, you, when we're talking franchises, the TV series of Highlander was superior to the movie. So if we're doing a new Highlander, mm-hmm. what do you envision for the lead? Oh no, you, you, you know the depths of obsession I've gone to with this. Yes. But I picture, I picture. Um, let's not like let's not just go. Okay, it's yet another Scotsman. Uh, who's a McLeod? You want a different different type of story that could be intertwined in and be told parallel to McLeod's story. Mm-hmm. Uh, something something that has elements that could uh, once in a while be politically uh, politically charged and relevant, but doesn't have to be. So nobody that is like I'm a revolutionary or I'm this I'm I'm leading the forefront of some movement. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just and make it fun again. Okay. But also the, with some modern storytelling to it. Who's the actor from the TV show? Is he still working? Adrian Paul is not only working, but he looks almost exactly the same. So he has 20, a cameo. 20 years on. Oh, and I always envision it. Like if, if we were going to go really deep into it, I have a first season plotted out already for my version of it that uh-huh. has him show up halfway through. Because the first. Dang, the, he looks good. Yeah. No. He should be the, 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 the mentor. Well, Okay. I, I kind of, there's, there's, there's a bit to be said that yes, he could be, he could be in the mentor role, but it would just basically be a nostalgia grab at that point. I think, yeah, I I think you've got to avoid the trap with the, what the, what the TV series did really well was they had Connor McLeod, they had Christopher Lambert show up as Connor McLeod, but he showed up in the first episode only. Yeah. And then he was involved deeply in the plot, but at the end, Duncan takes over and Connor goes, you're good kid and walks away. It was a passing of the torch. I, I see. Have Duncan show up even even once in a while. Have him show up, but have have Adrian Paul show up as Duncan McCloud as a passing of the torch and an approval thing more than I, a key I'm, role. I'm getting like ideas like that. The mentor role is leading him towards the wrong path, and then uh, Duncan shows up to kind of set him on the right path and say, "Let me impart my wisdom." Yeah, I could see that. I could see yeah, that. Yeah, it's so that so uh, the thing you have to avoid is it being leaning on entirely on nostalgia. And you have to avoid it entirely being a political statement because way too many remakes go into that territory of, hey, do you remember that thing you loved when you were a kid because it was brainless and awesome? We're going to make it, we're going to make it politically, uh, politically motivated. I mean, we want to make it less um, cringy in the sense that we're aware of things now. Like, for instance, clean it up. Our Indiana Jones sequel Mm -hmm. that we'd like to see Mm -hmm. includes, um, hang on. I got his real name here. Uh, includes Wan Lee, you know, short round, uh, <laughs> but he'll never be referred to as short round. And he is the Dr. Jones type. He is the, you know, he went to school. He became an archaeologist and he, it, and that's what we'd like to see. You, you know what I'd like to see? Yeah. Him being a specialist in repa- repatriating artifacts back to the cultures that, that, d- that deserve yeah. them. That's exactly where we're <laughs> yeah. headed. Yeah. That it, it, in it, now at this point, it's, he is a minority voice about we need to bring this back and not just put it in a mountain somewhere, but bring it to the people. I just mm-hmm. had an idea. Mm. What if those first movies were the stories that Indy told? <gasps> and then in this new one, it's, you know, Wan Lee telling us the stories. You know, I went to archaeology school. I have a doctorate. You know what? There is no tiki worshiping culture in India. Like Indy got that wrong. We weren't even in in India. We were in Polynesia somewhere. The plane got lost. You know. Um, <laughs> oh my God! And if look, we could do this with Harrison Ford, and Harrison Ford's like, 
Whatever, kid. Come oh, on, you're right. ruining my story. Yeah. No, whatever, kid. I was a little drunk at the time. Let's just forget. <laughs> you know, oh, guys, that would be great. Do you guys really want to know the truth about that story about uh, about when he shot that guy with the whip? That the guy with the swords? Oh, come on, not this story. Yeah, there's a. <laughs> Please, yes, tell that story. Just tell the actual set story. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, like Juan Lee is in his fifties at this point. I like, think. Yeah. I think. That would be, you know, you said it, you know, the vehicle is there in some dingy bar in like Marrakesh or somewhere. Mm -hmm. They're all like sipping martinis. It's like, well, let me tell you, let me tell you a story. And then Indy's just, guys, no, stop. (laughs) You're ruining the mystique of my character. Like, I I really, I want to see it. And it's got to be the same actor. It's got to be the same actor. I think he could pull it off. He looks good. You could do it as a knockout comedy if what if it was indiana jones getting inducted into some archaeology hall of fame whatever and what we're seeing is his lifetime achievement award roast and it's all of the characters going let me tell you what really happened (laughs) meanwhile Wan lee's sitting there and he's like dude i wasn't even born in china i'm vietnamese (laughs) like come on (laughs) I was just orphaned in Shanghai. Oh. And on yeah. that note, <laughs> if you'd like to option this movie, send $1 too. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, go to patreon.com slash nukejaws. <laughs> you're going to have a movie optioning tier now on your Patreon? Sure. That's going to be a lot of money. Uh, but yeah, no, absolutely. I, you know, and the whole point of this episode is to say that we can change a franchise's tone and not lose what we love about it. And I'm going to, I know it or completely destroy it or completely destroy it. I mean, like that's, that's what everyone's afraid of, but I'm sorry. Those police Academy movies as bad as they are. I enjoyed the heck out of them. I really did. And how many of us have those references stuck in our heads? You can't help it. And and sometimes the tonal shift it makes it for a better movie. And let when we're looking back on movies, let's not focus on, oh, we have to stay true to the to the canon. We have to stay. I mean, OK, yes, the canon. We have to stay true to what it originally was because it one, we're never going to have that movie changing experience again because it's already happened. And two, some of our original movies needed that tonal shift in order to survive. Mm-hmm. So take everything fresh. That's my advice. Any other yep. last thoughts? Uh, yeah, change is good. Sometimes it's not always it's not always bad. I think movie houses um, need to realize that if the only thing you've got left in your original franchise is the name that you're banking on, maybe you should all just take a little bit more risk and come up with something new. Do I think that there's place in the world for? A Queen Latifah, Jimmy Fallon, buddy cop flick. Yes. Did it have to butcher the Luc Besson taxi franchise to make it? Absolutely not. It could have stood on his own, on its own and been okay instead of trying to shoehorn it into a successful franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, if all you've got left is the name and you've neutered everything else out of it, why bother? Just be, I just want more movies to be fresh and original and mm-hmm. come up with something new and fun. Not every sci-fi movie needs to be star Wars or star Trek. 
you know, let's get more fifth elements. Let's get more event horizons. Let's get more. And hey, if you want to write in the whole Star Wars universe and you decide, yeah, but I want it to be a Western. I mean, that clearly is working out for us. Well, yeah, and that's that's the that's the other note, though, is just because you've got a franchise that is still intact, mm-hmm. don't be afraid to shake it up. Yeah. yeah, because what 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 frustrates fans more than anything is when a movie is exactly the same as the movie was before it was the same as the movie before it, but you've just got a different setting, right? right? Like it's we're, we're we're smarter than that. We've evolved in our sensibilities. Realize it, and it'll go a long way. So let us know what are the franchises that you've noticed a tonal shift but you've still enjoyed it. You like the tonal shift. Give us your favorite recommendations. Uh, you can email us. You can put it in the Discord. You can put it in the Facebook. We can't wait to hear from you. Um, until next time. Bye, everyone. Bye, everybody. before we go, we want to thank all of our patrons without whom you wouldn't be getting two episodes a month and we wouldn't be able to pay our server fees and the increasing cost of uh, web space and everything else that seems to be happening every year. So thank you so much to all of you, um, especially to our big daddies, uh, Jax, Jason, Rich the TT, and our patrons of the arts, Andy, Mark, the encaffeinated one. Melissa, the bathtub mermaid, and Paul, our new patron of the arts, and Susanna. And thank you to all of our other patrons that keep the lights on and keep this thing going. Thank you to Cliff, Greg, Harold, Hugh, Ian, Justine, Ken, Kinsey, Mike, Patrick, the Radical Geek, Shane, Steve, Susan, Tibby, Will, and Seth. Nutty Bites is produced by Nimlas Studios under a Creative Commons Attribution No Commercial Non-Derivatives 3.0 International License. That means you can't change it without my permission. You can share it and send it to your friends. Just link back to me, my site, and everything. We live at nimlas.org, which has links to everything social media, including facebook.com slash group slash Nutty Bites and patreon.com slash nukejoss or call 347-NUTTY42. This is Rodonaut Cinema Review. We've gathered this evening to consider 1936's Revolt of the Zombies. The rock bottom of the zombies. <laughs> <laughs> we open with yeah. the Montezuma's Revenge font from the entire 5200. <laughs> Which is bizarre since we're not in South America. While we're looking at plot holes, why did the zombies attacking the trench have guns? They're throwing around lines like, destruction. Yeah, 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 I'm saying that if you happen to be the last person to watch this film, just bury yourself in a landfill. <laughs> Chrononaut Cinema Reviews is a Way of the Buffalo Skinner Co. co-production. Goodbye!